What is up, Startup Mindsets? This is another amazing guest. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about fintech. And today, our guest is Arjun, who is the CEO and founder of a company called Solid. Uh, they're previously called Wise. Some things I know notably about uh, the company are they raise funding from abstract ventures, space 10 ventures, uh, as well as tech stars. And they're a solution that is trying to become somewhat of the AWS, but for fintech. And without further ado, uh, here is Arjun. So welcome to the show, Arjun. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, like where you're from and uh, just who you are? Yeah, uh, no, more than happy to share my story. Uh, I grew up in India, spent half my life there and uh, moved to the U.S. Uh, in 2000, early 2006 as a student and been here since then, most of it in the Bay Area and along the way, Founded a few companies, worked with some amazing founders, watched many, many uh, of them very closely <laughs> from the sidelines, saw them being successful. And uh, yeah, here I am. I founded uh, Solid, which was previously called Wise. And yeah, it's been quite a journey as we went out and became a venture back company. And yeah, well, we'd love to share our story, our learnings. and. Um, yeah, uh, I'm happy to answer any questions. For, for sure. Uh, uh, yeah. Just uh, to kind of lay the context, what is, uh, what is a problem that Solid solves for? And, you know, who are the, uh, you know, customers and, and what's the ideal, you know, uh, user and things like that? Yeah, so what Solid offers is FinTech infrastructure as a service, right? Just like AWS offers cloud computing infrastructure as a service. So any company that wants to launch FinTech products like bank accounts and payments and uh, issue cards. And now uh, soon we're launching crypto uh, initiatives. Uh, so really think of us as a solution for any company to launch FinTech products where they sign up on our platform, really developer friendly, and they get up and running pretty quickly. It's very, very similar to what we're seeing in the fintech world is <laughs> what you see in the, the health and fitness world, right? Where there are a lot of people who want to get fit and it's similar what we see in the, the sort of uh, software world to a lot of companies want to become a fintech company, just don't know how to go about it. So think of us as having a gym and having trainers and having a <laughs> complete plan in terms of, hey, we can get you to a desirable, desirable state, which is becoming a fintech company, right? So. Really yeah. short, it's fintech as a service is what we do. No, I, I, I love it, Arjun. Um, I'm also a fintech entrepreneur myself. We do BNPL. So um, what, what, you know, how did you discover this problem? Like what, why this problem versus, let's say, building out your own neo bank, right? Versus yeah. why, why did you decide to do the infrastructure layer versus, let's say, doing a vertical uh, into, like, let's say, a specific segment or a specific problem inside of the fintech world? Yeah, great question. And um, our story was, it was a bit of an evolution. And to your point, we we started on the sort of neo-banking, you know, modern banking layer. But what happened is along the way, we had built a lot of our own infrastructure, modern infrastructure, because we didn't really want to build on the legacy infrastructure that's out there. And what we realized over time, which is what the WISE product was, it was really offering business banking, and modern payment experiences. Um, and what we realized is once we had built that stack, it was almost the sort of 
AWS to uh, Amazon moment, right? Where you realize that what you've built for yourself is very valuable to others also, which is really when we rebranded to Solid and yeah, offered it uh, as a platform that can serve other companies, right? So I think that's, uh, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's something you discover over time. In our case, uh, we realized that there's a lot more value in the platform versus just offering a product, right? You know, Arja, I'd love to get into like where you got the idea for this and kind of like, you know, what it was like when you were initially talking to people and seeing what the problem was. You know, where'd you get the ideas from this? What was it, you know, you just had friends and or you were somebody who experienced this yourself in the past and can tell us. Yeah, I mean, the idea really came from, I've been following the FinTech industry for a long time. I used to actually build FinTech products back in 2006, 2007. This was way before uh, FinTech was cool, right? So I had a decent understanding of how things work and I was following the industry closely, but really the idea came along in 2018 and the timing was right for me to you know, start thinking about building a FinTech company. And really the, the question was, you know, why do people go to a bank? They don't go to a blockbuster store anymore, right? Uh, why do they go to a bank? So really the, the sort of thought process started there. And along the way, you know, obviously figured a bunch of things out, but, and to learning, obviously it's a field that's evolving, but really the, the idea was to ask the why uh, and yeah, and then sort of curiosity kicked in and started learning more and more in terms of the why, the how, and obviously then going out and fundraising to actually execute on it, right? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of new and learning about the fintech as a service space too. Something that I wanted to hear from you was, why do you think uh, every company or software company should look into becoming a fintech company? And what do you mean, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so what it means is, I think Apple is a great example, right? They've got- Oh, uh, the Apple cards and- you know. Yeah, Apple card is a great example, right? So Apple was a company that was making laptops and phones and yeah. they became a true fintech company by offering the Apple card, right? Now, in terms of why they're your customers and why should an Apple user use a Chase or a Wells Fargo fintech product, right? Uh, the brand loyalty, the affinity is with- uh, with Apple. And we are seeing that consistently in a lot of different ecosystems. I think Shopify is another great example. Uh, and some of the others were- Square were as whole, well? Or... Yeah, Shopify is a good example. They've launched a product called Shopify Balance, which is very, very, it's a good example of an e-commerce system offering a FinTech product. And I think this is something we'll start seeing a lot more of where you've got, you've got a, a software company that's offering very valuable products and services to their users and not offering FinTech, which means that they're going elsewhere for their FinTech needs. And then over time, you've got this company starting to offer more and more to them. So just a couple of examples where, you know, Apple on the consumer side and then uh, Shopify on the small business side. And the answer is very, very simple. I mean, it's, it's brand loyalty, it's engagement, and ultimately it's adding to your revenue, right? Because every yeah, time sure. you use a, swipes the Apple card, Apple owns the interchange revenue and not uh, you know, Chase or Wells Fargo, right? Yeah, could, could you, I, I'm sorry, I understand the, the, you know, use case a little bit more here, but uh, maybe like if just to go a step deeper, uh, what would be like an example uh, for how Solid would be enabling another company to get this, uh, you know, make this possible for them? Would it be 
like I say I am Nike or maybe Nike already does it but maybe like just something yeah. well, Nike like is that. a great example and we'd love to have them as a client but <laughs> an example is let's say Nike wants to launch a Nike wallet right just making that up yeah yeah <laughs> they have uh, I'm pretty sure they start to think about fintech but yeah so really uh, the next step would be you know what the product does what problem it's solving for the Nike user and then once they start figuring out, you know, hey, this is what we, what we want to offer and here's what we want to build, they'll start looking for a fintech infrastructure as a service provider like Solid and then, yeah, get into the ecosystem, start building your experience. You own the complete experience as Nike, right? And yeah, offer your product to your end user, right? So that's the way typically we see uh, it unfold, right? First, it's about the, the what, and then we come in and say, here's the how, and then think of us as an ingredient, right? And they've got a recipe they're putting together and then serving the dish to their end, end user, right? Hey, right. Arjun, um, quick question on that, right? Just because, you know, we talk to many kind of different companies and one thing they get freaked out with being a FinTech is the regulatory issue, right? So now they have to think about licenses, right? Like. SEC, central bank, all these things, right? Like, is that something that you abstract to as a quote-unquote service? Just because in the end of the day, right? Like, that's what people are really the biggest barrier, to be honest, to being a fintech, right? Is all these licenses and, and compliance of these licenses, right? Like, is that something that, let's say, if I was a big brand, um, I'd be able to just, like, not think about it anymore? And I guess, you know, your company would be able to just take it off my plate? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting, right? Because uh, as a product company, right, you've obviously got to care about the user and the experience and obviously onboard the right kind of users on your platform. Obviously, no company wants bad actors, especially fintech companies, want bad actors using your product, right? Or with some, um, you know, the, where the intent is really not what it's supposed to be, right? So... Uh, it's really think of it as shared across the board, right? Obviously, we take away a lot of, uh, you know, the the compliance uh, heavy lifting, right, from the fintech program. But obviously, this is something the program needs to build out over time and figure out how they scale, right? So we've got to think of it again as the ingredients. We've got the compliance frameworks, the tools, the transaction monitoring, and all of that built in. So a lot of it is taken away for them and it's offered as a service. But ultimately, if you're launching a FinTech product, you're ultimately responsible for the, your actions and who you're onboarding on your platform, right? So for example, let's say the Apple card, right? We're just talking about that. That's a pretty good example. Apple has Goldman Sachs as the bank and a bunch of other providers under the hood, but ultimately it's Apple's responsibility to uh, bring the right uh, end user uh, on their product, right? So. What we provide again are the tools and the frameworks. Think of it as the sort of the HelloFresh recipe kits, right? We've, <laughs> we've got those <laughs> in place, right? Uh, and going back to my early example, right? We've got the gym, we've got the trainers, but ultimately if you get injured, it's, it's, it's your problem, right? So you've got to take care of that. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's a combination of many things. And what normally happens is, in a lot of cases, especially with the younger companies, they get started, right? They're experimenting, they're sort of fine tuning, A-B testing. And once they hit a certain scale, they've got their own in-house compliance teams that really shape the program, get them ready for scale. 
one of the, I would say, um, recent uh, success stories um, in fintech has been a company called Chime that along the way has had, you know, uh, uh, regulatory issues come up and they've got to obviously deal with it with their compliance team and they've successfully done that, resolved for it recently. BlockFi also did that. So it's a it's something that comes with scale, but it's from what we're seeing consistently now, fintech companies that are especially well capitalized and that have scaled are able to figure out how to solve for it. That's awesome. Uh, I'd love to ask you some kind of questions as an operator slash CEO when it comes to running a business, of course. You know, I've, I've read that the company's growing, you know, kind of exponential or, you know, really positive rate, like 4X, I believe. And, you know, in a short amount of time, that's uh, really something that people aim for, but kind of hard to achieve. Uh, for you, like, what do you think it, it, it was that got you guys to be in a growth mode? I know that the the funding, obviously, Kind of enables that for some people, but um, you know what? What internally do you think that it is is uh, driving that growth? Yeah, I think the hard part is really figuring out what uh, others need, right? If it's a B two B product, what other businesses need, or if it's a B two C product, what consumers need, right? So, I think for us, uh, and I think with any infrastructure company, it takes time to figure it out. And trust me, what you think others need is, in most cases not what they're looking for, right? So that iteration, yeah. and, you know, having a product background myself helped in that because you then continue to validate your thesis in terms of what other people are looking for. So to answer your question, uh, once we found that, hey, here's exactly what, uh, going back to the ingredient that people or companies were looking for, it became a lot easier for us to start replicating those unit cases, right? And get into that growth mode. and honestly, fintech is not even 1% done, right? So what's happening is as the awareness is, you know, getting out there, more and more people get to know about us, which means that, or, you know, companies like us, which means that they're starting to think about it. So generally that's a trend we are seeing, which is also adding to the growth. And of course, capital helps with that because now you've got more people to, you know, execute on your growth strategies, right? Yeah, I guess, Arjun, um, digging deep a little bit on just the, the path towards, I guess, now where you are in Series A and Forex, how did your leadership style change? Or I guess, what are the biggest challenges that you had to overcome from, let's say, uh, idea stage to a seed stage to now a Series A stage? Like, what are those, I guess, leadership growth moments that you could share to our listeners? Yeah, I think when you start off a company as a founder, you're right, it's an idea. Um, I mean, it's it's really you're trying to validate it yourself with a few users and some early investors, you know, believe in you and you get started, right? But I think the real evolution for a founder, especially a founder who's, you know, really transitioning into a CEO and more of a leadership role is to be very, very clear in terms of where the company is heading, right? And where we need to go. So I think that was an interesting sort of, transition, right? I would say the first three to six months was really founder idea. It's very founder led, right? In terms of sales or customer success and all that. And then you've become a company where you've got uh, others doing it, the whole evolution where you've got different functional leaders and, you know, really the delegation starting to happen, right? So, yeah, I think that's an interesting phase uh, for us, you know, for any company it goes through that. Some of them obviously do it a lot sooner than others because they've raised enough capital and they already have experience if they're serial entrepreneurs and doing it, right? 
And some obviously it takes a lot longer because they're building something that's way more complex that requires longer times to validate, right? So yeah, so it's, I think that transition was an interesting one that I think every company had to go through and we also did, right? And yeah, pretty happy with where we are in terms of how all that, uh, you know, came along in the last, I would say, couple of years. No, I think that's great. Uh, kind of my, 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 you know, one of my, my last questions before I guess I'll turn over to Dan is, tell us more about like the funding journey, right? Just because a lot of our listeners also like are curious, right? Uh, somewhat also intimidated. So what is the, what's the big learnings, right? As you, you know, maybe first, what is the, the funding history, I guess, of, of the company? And yeah. what was the things you had to overcome at each stage of these, the funding cycle that you did? Just because it, it seems very daunting for a lot of our, you know, especially the people who are just starting out yeah. on this whole funding side, right? Yeah. And I think the sort of the process that I would say 99% of the founders follow is that they have an idea, they get some friends and family to invest mostly in notes that convert into a round, right? So in our case, it was a bunch of convertible notes that converted into a $6 million seed round. And then I would say about eight months after that, we did it. <laughs> yeah, Series A. And, uh, and then, yeah, you really start deploying those funds into sort of the early stage and you know, sort of start prepping up for the growth stage. So I think that's pretty much the, the standard format. And I think my learning in that process was, uh, I think investors are in most cases, right? Because they have a good sense of when a company is ready for the round, the direction they're going in. So I would say, take that feedback because if, if five investors are telling you the same thing mm-hmm. and they're saying things like, you're a little early, you need to find your wedge or you need to fine tune your offering, then they're most likely right because remember they're seeing eight to 10 other companies very similar to you every day, right? So yeah, I think it's one of those things where at least from my experience with our seed and A investors and as we're looking at our future rounds is to really, uh, you know, get to understand, you know, what they're looking for and what their investment thesis is and how you fit into their thesis. And it's really a relationship, right? So I think that's the right way. It's, I've never really seen any transactional funding rounds happen, right? It's not a transaction, it's a relationship, right? That's a good point. You know, uh, it's like, it's like dating and getting married, right? It's, it's yeah, sure. <laughs> got to go through that step, right? So yeah, so yeah, my suggestion would be start start dating investors <laughs> in the in the in the sense that you're yeah, showcasing what you've got and see you know what they're looking to invest you know that's a great point you're saying uh and uh, congrats again on the, the a round if that, that happened like this month or like not too long ago right no no it's it's it was uh so we did our uh, the company was founded uh, early 2019 we did our seed uh early 2020 and late 2020 we did our a and Right now, we're in the hyper growth mode, deploying our A. And yeah, and then next round would be our B, obviously. So yeah, we did uh, we did our A a little more than one year back. And given that we've obviously generating revenue and you know, we're really growing as a company, staying hyper-focused on growth right now, really not on fundraising. But obviously, you know, as we hit certain milestones, we'll still start looking at what's next, right? What, what do you think it was that uh, validated the, the company 
uh, even more during um, the pre-Series A or when you were pitching Series A, what do you think it was compared to when you were raising a seed round? Because, I mean, maybe there was a product already existed, but now there's a product in... Yeah, no, plenty yeah. of really good products out there, like, you know, Brex and Chime, I think. These are two really good ones, at least in the fintech world that we are in, that we see. Uh, and they're written some sort of a playbook. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing some companies trying to scale pretty quickly. The adoption was exponentially increasing. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's really you take these as signals, right? And you start to think, what next, right? If these companies are doing this, who are the next generation Brex or Chime? Or, you know, what, what, what's the sort of next wave going to be like, right? And that's what we saw coming a couple of years back. And we started pitching our investors and a couple of them along the way had built thesis around, hey, this is where the industry is going. Just like 10 years back, uh, ecosystems didn't accept payments and now you can't find one that does not, right? Um, they, were, they used to be like Craigslist, right? Where you just match make and hey, go figure it out, right? And now you've got marketplaces that accept payments. So just like payment acceptance became very normal, what we saw coming and what some of our investors saw coming was that, hey, you know, other FinTech experiences will also be part of these softwares and these ecosystems, right? So I think once we started believing in that, they started believing in it, you know, we found some really, really awesome investors along the way. And we're hoping that we find uh, a few more of them because I think that's really important. You've got to have a strong belief in you know what you're offering, right? For sure. Well, I want to just cover one more thing about uh, trends in fintech or fintech as a service. Uh, what what do you see like in the space as uh, the you know the big change or you know the big shift in in the indus- in the industry and where do you think the industry is headed with uh, you know demand for these types of tools? Yeah, it's. I think the the next gen sort of uh, fintech companies will be creating experiences that you know we haven't even thought about and we <laughs> see is it like it have to do with nfts or like what do you mean it's, it's, it's all of the above right like i had one uh, and really sort of broadly and i'll give you some examples but broadly what we're seeing is like the next gen consumer experiences like the next one is more around you know the gig economy creator economy you know what can be done to enable you know fintech products for them and then of course you've got the the business side of it, right? But just to give you an example, I had a, one of the founders, it was a YC company, asked me recently that saying, hey, you know, why does a, uh, a payroll go to into a bank account? Like, why doesn't it go into my portfolio account? Or why doesn't payroll go into my, you know, crypto? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Just things like, you know, stuff that has been done for many, many years, right? There are these founders coming in and almost challenging and asking a question. It's like, it's like 25 years back, somebody saying, hey, why do cars run on gas? Like, why can't they run on <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you've got them, a bunch of them running on the hybrid, right? So it's a lot of these questions being asked and us uh, being able to, in companies like Solid, being able to provide that infrastructure and really, you know, giving them the ingredients they need, right? Uh, really helping them starting to get them to life. So would would your tagline be, you know, how some people say we're the Uber for XYZ, would your tagline be like maybe solid is the hello fresh for the future? <laughs> how would you complete this? Yeah, I think AWS <laughs> for fintech is a lot it more uh, easier or you know Twilio for fintech is another but I was gonna say Twilio, yeah. Yeah. Twilio is a great one. Like like if you're a Lyft or a Facebook, you're not building 
SMS infrastructure, right? You're just using Twilio API. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's Makes very, sense. very similar to that. Why would you want to build fintech infrastructure when there's a company offering you that infrastructure as a service and charging you for it, right? Hey, hey, Makes Arjun. Um, question on like just like early life, like. Where did you get this entrepreneurial bent? Um, is that something like a nature or a nurture? Just because it's just a hard, you know, it's it, it, it's a lot of people are saying, I, I kind of want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm just not built for it. But tell me more about your story. Like how, when did you discover that you were an entrepreneur? I think if you ask me personally, I think it starts with just nature. I think in my case, I wanted to be one. It was very, very clear. And then you start sort of nurturing yourself and, uh, you know, finding a window where you can actually do it, right? So, yeah, so at least I think there are a few people that, you know, think that way, right? And you have to be able to take a risk in life. Some people are very risk averse and obviously everyone has different situations they're going through, right? But I think if someone's really passionate about something, right, and finds a window where they can actually go on to, you know, start something, interesting right and along the way find people to invest in them or they could bootstrap and your customers are you know paying you so you can get the company going then you know you should do it and it's all about taking a chance and i think you get you know one or two chances of like uh, you know really starting a company in your life so you know why not take it right so i always had that uh, desire along the way i started a couple of bootstrap companies worked with amazing founders as i saw and saw how they go about their day-to-day -day life. And ultimately, I mean, starting a company or, you know, being a product manager at another company, uh, which is what I was, I think ultimately you go in really wanting to do a good job, right? Whether it's for your own company or whether it's a company or part of, ultimately end of the day, it does not matter. Your work ethics are the same, right? Hey, Arjun, I had to ask, like, what do you perceive as like the most difficult challenge along the way that you were able to kind of overcome or that you're currently going through right now and yeah i think as i mentioned yeah. earlier right i think as a founder you're transitioning your role into a ceo i think is a pretty challenging one because you've got to trust other folks let go and get people who are better than better than you better than, better than <laughs> yeah, sure. doing or really can go deep into you know what you're trying to do right because as a ceo it's impossible to go deep into one area because you've got different areas of the business so I think that's an interesting one. And I think a lot of founders struggle with that, which means it really stops their growth, right? And I made a conscious decision along the way saying, hey, I will get some awesome people along in the journey, which to me, it almost feels like the term founder, co-founder means nothing. It's I think a, it's a founding team or it's a, it's a complete team that comes every step in this journey that helps you build the company, right? I mean, yeah, uh, you can start. Start anybody can start a company, but I think what makes the company is the the team that you onboard, and uh, yeah, that really helps you build what where you want to get to. Right, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Arjun, we're we're gonna have a time a little bit here, but I'd I'd love to ask you two two questions that I, I typically ask the guests. First question is, um, if you had to go back in time and talk to your eighteen or nineteen year old self. Um, what advice would you give yourself, <laughs> right, um, based on the lessons you've learned since that point? Yeah, I mean, looking back at it, I wish I knew <laughs> a lot of these when I was 18, 19, right? I didn't, which is why it took me a 
lot of time to you know figure all this out and give me confidence to take that chance but yeah had i known this at 18 19 and i was able to give myself advice i would have probably started something like this you know 10 years earlier no i'm not saying that it could have been successful 10 years earlier but at least sort of attempted to start something a little earlier than i did but no regrets i think as i mentioned there's always a right time and a window to do something like this and i found one right not everyone finds one so i was lucky in that sense to find one and also lucky that other people believed in you know what i was doing right so yeah but i think any <laughs> 18 19 year old you know anyone in the early 20s listening to this is like start thinking about this if is this something you want to do like think about this and figure out you know what you need to do to get there right and give yourself a a shot as they say you don't <laughs> get a six till you roll the dice right so go ahead and be prepared to roll the dice and and this means that trying to start something right start something yeah start something um doing something which is you know something you're passionate about and you've got that curiosity and just uh, you want to sort of explore what's next right it's like i almost feel like a company is like a it's like playing a video game or watching a you know a, a binge watching a tv series it's like you're curious to know what's next so that curiosity has to be there if it's not then it's really hard because you don't look forward to what's next because and then you're not putting the work to get there right So yeah I think it's not for everyone clearly right but if you see that you've got a new you know give it a shot right it's really nothing to lose yeah I love that and maybe my 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 last question before I turn it over to Dan is um you know in in one to two sentences what would the, be your personal startup mindset yeah I would say just uh, two words I think mindset needs to be crystal clear on why you're doing it and hyper focused uh and along with that you've got to obviously learn to say no right uh, you've got to say no to certain social events you've got to say no to uh you know different things to keep you hyper focused right so uh, i think those are the two things like having complete clarity of where you want to be in the next uh, couple of years it doesn't have to be next 10 years and then staying hyper focused to stay on track right that Oh yeah, it's amazing advice Arjun. Uh love to hear that. Um I mean the last part here is uh if somebody wants to learn more about the company or yourself, uh where can they do that and um Yeah. Yeah, so our website is solidfi.com. That's probably the best place. And of course on LinkedIn, uh it's Solid Financial Technologies in short uh, uh Solid, but yeah, website is probably the best solidfi.com and if there any uh you know anyone that's looking to explore fintech learn about it how do you build these experiences you've got a sandbox where you can you know get up and running so pretty quickly i got to ask you what what made you change the company from wise and solid in terms of names that just yeah so it was feelings? as i mentioned an evolution right can't share too many details on why that yeah, happened sure. <laughs> but uh, but i'm sure if you google it uh, you'd be able to figure it out but um really it was uh, for us our our positioning also evolved quite a bit right and wise was i thought a great uh, customer facing product but in this case we went from being a dish that's being served to being an ingredient right which meant that huh. it needed uh uh you know it needed a, a new brand and i thought 
Solid was a much foundational brand, so to speak, right? Where others can build their high rises on our Oh, um, gotcha. Foundation. Gotcha. That's solid great. Ground. That's great. That's great. You're built on solid ground, which is awesome. There you go. Exactly. So yeah, pretty happy with where the brand is, given that it's been a little over one year, we uh, announced uh, that uh, Wise is now solid. Sweet. Well, yeah, that does it for the show. Thanks again, Arjun, for the time and uh, telling us about your company and your story. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great chat.